This is 89.9 WWNO. I'm Janae Pierre, and it's time for All Things New Orleans. On today's show, we'll discuss the next season of Unprisoned, a podcast which tells the stories of individuals impacted by the criminal justice system. Then, WWNO membership manager Hallie Sheck joins me to discuss ways to donate to your favorite public radio station. That's us. And later, we'll talk about the state's first food truck park opening this weekend. That's all coming up on All Things New Orleans. Stay with us. Avid listeners of WWNO may recall hearing the podcast Unprisoned, which shares stories from Louisiana's criminal justice system. Editors of Unprisoned are now set to release season 1.5 of the podcast. Joining me now to talk all things Unprisoned is lead producer Eve Abrams and editor Katie Rekdahl. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. So for folks who are unfamiliar, give us a brief rundown of Unprisoned and the stories that you choose to highlight. Well, in our first season, we made 14 documentaries that were kind of a survey course of the criminal justice system in New Orleans. So we had stories that ranged from the rights of prisoners in voting to how people get embroiled in the criminal legal system to how children with incarcerated loved ones deal with communicating with their loved ones to juvenile justice, reentry, innocence. Um, it was a great season. We we got a lot of wonderful feedback from the citizens of New Orleans. We won a Gabriel Award. We were one of nine radio and podcasts across the country that were nominated for the Peabody Award, which is the gold standard of broadcast journalism. And we also got a New Orleans Press Club first place award. And I think the other thing to notice about the first um, acclaimed season <laughs> is that there were a lot of young voices and voices of people who are not necessarily in the system, but somehow find themselves part of the system because of their parents mm-hmm. or the way their school is patrolled or other reasons that they have siblings, other things that make them part of the prison system sort of by default. And so I think that those voices really drove the first season. We had a lot of young, really insightful voices. Yeah, we talked about it being people caught up in the ripple effects of Mm -hmm. the criminal legal system. So not people who were incarcerated per se. We only had one episode that dealt with people who were behind bars. But um, the bulk of it was how, because mass incarceration is mass, it's so large, how it, it really affects people who are outside of prison walls. And that's what we were really investigating. I know you both are working tirelessly on season two right now, and you'll soon be releasing season 1.5. But before we talk about that, let's talk about this new reboot. What can folks expect from season two? Well, one of the statistics that people have really come to know is that Louisiana is the incarceration capital of the world. And so the kind of glaring question we kept asking is, why? And that's what we're attempting to answer in season two. We're reckoning with that question. And we're looking at a lot of different answers and talking with a lot of different people about why, what they think the answers are. So that's season two. We can look forward to that in the fall. Um, let's talk about this new reboot, season 1.5, The In-Between. Well, there are just so many great stories to tell. And we wanted to get our story-making chops 
back in operation. And, you know, once Unprisoned started to air, people kept whispering story ideas into our ears. And there are just a few that we couldn't resist. So these three stories are going to air in April, April 4th, 11th, and 18th. And they're portraits of three different individuals. One is about a young woman who is a college sophomore right now. And the story looks at her experiences as a daughter of somebody interacting with the with the police and what that did to her and how her trajectory kind of defied what normally happens to people to young people which is um, it's traumatic it's a traumatic incident when you see your parent arrested which is what happened to her and she really went against the statistics and has become a very successful young woman Um, The second story is about one of the first female police officers in the city of New Orleans Mm -hmm. who did incredible work in community relations within the police department. And then the third story is about a very esteemed judge in New Orleans who now works in the mayor's office. I'm interested in knowing more about the first African-American police officer. Katie, could you tell us more about that? Yvonne Bechet, I had heard about her for years, and Eve actually came back with the interview. But I remember people saying, this building was once the site of a great community center run by a woman police officer. And I was like, what? Like, I'd never even really heard of that. And she has this legend that follows her. So when Eve was telling me about this story and we were lis- I was listening to her transcript, I was like, wait, there's something really interesting. And so, so these 1.5 episodes are both biographical plus. Let's talk about why these three stories are so important to the focus of Unprisoned, right? Because this is completely opposite from season one. Yeah, they're positive stories. I mean, they're stories of people who have made a really great difference in the system or who have managed to be really successful. And, you know, I think it's really important to not just tell what's wrong, but to look at what's right so that we can learn, well, how do we make it then more like this? If this is what works, how can we gear our system towards something that works? Because we don't just want to be muckraking. Mm -hmm. We want people to see the possibility for what our criminal legal system could look like and what social support networks for our city could really look like. Yeah, and I think that they all give an arc of what's possible. I mean, Dominique, who's a student, a little bit less, although she was, it's four years have elapsed, which is a, an eternity for someone that age, right? But for both Yvonne Bechet and for Judge Calvin Johnson, they've been watching this for a long time, and their insight is so helpful. So it almost feels like we're going into season two when it starts this fall. We'll be going in with sort of the armed by elders or something. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, combined, you two have nearly 30 years of experience reporting on New Orleans. I just want to ask, what has shocked you the most during your work on Unprisoned? Everything. I mean, Katie has known a lot more about this stuff than Mm -hmm. me, but I'm constantly shocked and infuriated. Mm -hmm. But you know what's really scary, Janae, is that you quickly become used to something. And that's the thing is that I think the people who know this information most intimately become used to it and you start thinking about it as normal and it's not it's not normal you know it feels like we're most infuriated and most shocked by what we're just working on but i also feel like it seems like every time we come across something new we just think are you serious and i can't believe the role of education when you look at who gets incarcerated for an african-american child who was born i think in 1980 it's right around that year 
who has a high school dropout for a father, right? Mm -hmm. They are more than 50% likely to have that father go to prison by the time they're 14. Earlier, we mentioned one of the questions that's the focus of season two, which is, why does Louisiana lead the world in imprisonment? You mentioned education. I'm sure that was one of many theories that you heard from people. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That that kids drop out of school. You know, it goes back to that thing of blaming the kids. And then, of course, by extension, the schools. But, you know, I, I think it's important to remember that we put a lot on our families and schools, but we're all linked together. I don't think we're going to find like a, aha, that's the answer if we just fix that. You know, I think the problem is pretty dispersed and I think the solutions are going to be pretty dispersed as well. One statistic that is going to be in a season 1.5 story, and Katie, I think you're going to remember it more than me. Yeah, it's the way that they could gauge if a child was going to be successful is if they had one committed, competent adult in their life. That's all you need for that kid to succeed is that one person. And it doesn't have to be a parent. It could be a coach, a band leader, a neighbor, a friend. One thing that we really believe in very strongly with this project, and I want to just say for narrative storytelling in general, is that you know data is important, but it's really hearing a person's story and feeling connected to that story that makes a big difference. And and I think we tend to, you know, go through the worlds in our own bodies and mm-hmm. in our own brains and we extrapolate and we think our experiences are everybody's experiences and that is just not the case. Right, never considering a different reality. And so we'd really try to let people, you know, walk in other people's moccasins, so to say, in these stories. Absolutely. And again, season 1.5 can be heard right here on WWNO starting in April. Correct, April 4th. That was Eve Abrams and Katie Reckdahl, editorial team for the podcast, Unprisoned. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Janae. To learn more about Unprisoned or to listen to episodes, visit unprisoned.org. Hey there. So it's festival season in New Orleans, and we're celebrating our spring member fest here at WWNO. Joining me now is Hallie Sheck, membership manager for New Orleans Public Radio. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Janae. So we're just here to remind listeners how important it is to donate to WWNO, which is funded and supported by you the listeners. That's absolutely a thousand million percent correct. I think it's interesting how many folks and myself included before I started working here just really aren't too savvy to how the public radio model works. And I mean, it's different station to station, but here at WWNO, uh, we pay a lot of money, a lot lot of money (laughs) to air the programs that everybody tunes in for like morning edition, all things considered the two most popular news programs in the country and two of the most popular here right in New Orleans. We pay just about $200,000 just for those two programs a year. We pay about 350k for all the NPR programs and then that doesn't even count, you know, APM Mm -hmm. or PRX or all the great local content that we've been doing more and more of like, you know, all things New Orleans. Right, right. Yep. And so we pay those bills with mostly membership dollars. And that's why we're here today. Mm -hmm. Um, We need more members like you to uh, give us a call and donate to the station and become a member. Become a member of the WWNO family. And you can do that by calling 800-286-7002. 
800-286-7002 or going online to wwno.org slash donate. Oh, teamwork. Makes the dream work. It sure does. So, Marilyn, <laughs> speaking of teamwork, because that's what we're trying to develop, you know, from our listeners. We're trying mm-hmm. to get them on the team. What's the percentage of listeners that's on that team? You know what? Recently, we just learned that more and more people have turned to WWNO, tuned into WWNO more than ever before. Wow. Um, And a lot of those new listeners haven't yet, I think, wrapped their head around, again, the public radio model. So we're still hovering around like that 5% mark of listeners. And we have, you know, about 115,000 people tuning in every week, which is wonderful. I mean, that's what, you know, public radio is here for. Mm -hmm. It's a service. We don't want it to go away. And it's easy to take for granted because you just you turn it on and it's there as it should be. But I think people don't realize, especially a lot of the new listeners, and that's why our percentage kind of hovers, you know, around uh, the same number, is that we need the membership dollars to keep it all moving. That's right. 800-286-7002. 800-286-7002. And guess what, folks? You can give at any level, right? Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about those levels, Hallie. Yeah, I hear from a lot of folks, you know, especially as the membership manager, they'll say, oh, what do you do? I say, I work at WWNO. And they're like, that's awesome. And they ask, what do you do? And I go, I'm the membership manager. And then they kind of like shrink <laughs> into themselves and look all guilty. Uh, Uh, And then inevitably somebody says, well, I just feel like I can't give enough. And that I totally empathize with. But I also just want to let folks know that every level, every donation Mm -hmm. makes a difference because it's really just about shoring up the foundation of this public service. It's for the public interest. It's a mission driven uh, organization. So if you are a new member or haven't given before, you want to start a sustaining donation, come in at the $5 a month level. You know what? I'll be honest, that's my level. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's what I can afford right now. Of it course, goes the up, price of living in this city is... You know, right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so some people have to take that into account. And I am myself one of them. And we can adjust that you know, monthly amount. Yeah. So I adjusted mine recently. I do $5 a month. If you can join $5 a month, we have some thank you gifts there. If you can join at $10 a month, we have a festival wallet. Yeah. With the WWNO logo embossed on it, going with our festival theme. But we also have some super fresh, custom, super fresh. <laughs> <laughs> custom WWNO socks, which I know maybe summertime isn't the type of socks, but they're just so fresh. It's year round. They're so fresh. <laughs> I guarantee that you'll wear them in the summertime. Someone's going to wear them to a festival with their sandals. I guarantee it. I look forward to seeing pictures of that. <laughs> Please tag us, hashtag MemberFest2018. So that's that's at the $10 a month level. We also have the $20 a month level, right? Yeah, $20 a month is about how much it costs at this point to provide for an hour of programming and operation at WWNO in general. Uh, we have at that level a festival chair, okay. keeping again with the festival theme. Of course. Uh, some tote bags, uh, umbrellas, you know. So $20 a month is also a great kind of entry level for maybe somebody else to become a sustaining member. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, you know, another subscription service, Netflix, Hulu, what have you. Just add it on. I mean, exactly. Those are those are things that are part of your everyday life. I know I go to Netflix daily, but you also go to 89.9 daily, right? So give to the station that keeps giving to you. 
800-286-7002. And then we got a couple more levels that we're big fans of. Producers Club, not everyone can do $1,000 or $100 a month. Goes a long way. Yeah. A dollar a day, we love to say it, and because it kind of, what do you think of when you spend $1 a day on what? Not even a cup of coffee. You can't get that. But, you know, a dollar a day, about $30 a month. Uh, and then, of course, our newly branded $42 a month, which works out to, after the over the course of a year, to 504. That's and right. that's the 504 Club. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to get it together and, and design some window clings, as one of the board members said. You got to get a window clean for the 504 <laughs> club i like that idea but right now while we're working on that if you join at that level uh we have two single day tickets to jazz fest uh, you can go online and select those or give us a call 800-286-7002 or wwno.org slash donate and that's at 42 dollars a month to join the 504 club but also we talked about the 30 dollars a month and keeping with our festival theme Folks will get $50 in food and drink tickets for French Quarter Fest, which is coming up. So give us a call, 800-286-7002. Again, that number, 800-286-7002. Or you can give online securely at www.wwno.org. Slash donate. Slash donate. (laughs) That was WWNO membership manager Hallie Sheck on the last day of our spring member fest. Again, you can donate to us your favorite public radio station by calling 800-286-7002. 800-286-7002. Hallie, thanks for joining me and thanks for what you do. Thank you. Good morning, friends. This weekend, Deja Vu Food Park will celebrate its grand opening and become the first food truck lot in New Orleans. Joining me now is founder Ross Bodie. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Starting any business requires a bunch of paperwork and permits, but I'd imagine that there were many hoops that you had to jump through when starting the city's first food park, right? Yes, there were an unbelievable amount of hoops, (laughs) and and we're still jumping through hoops. I mean, um, this process is was started in 2016, uh, mid-2016, and it's the first one in Louisiana, actually. So okay. there's nothing like this in the whole state. So every agency involved in opening a, a business like this, such as you know the ATC and the Department of Health and the city of New Orleans, of course, everyone was kind of stumped on, okay, I'm not sure what we're doing here. <laughs> so it, it was a process. We had to get some rules created for some of them. We're still working with the city council, city, uh, the city of New Orleans and city council to adjust some of the ordinances as relation to the food trucks parking uh, in our park for an extended period of time and whatnot. So we're still actually jumping through some hoops, but we've gotten to a point now where we can at least present this to, to the great city of New Orleans. And uh, what models were you looking at in other cities uh, to compare to what you wanted to do here? Well, actually, I looked at several models. I looked at models in Atlanta, in Texas, in Florida, in California, and in uh, as well as uh, Oregon. And what caught your eye? You know, I visited a food truck park in Austin a couple of years ago, and what caught my eye was it was just a normal Saturday. There was about 
25 food trucks in there, and you could barely get into place. My initial thought was, why is this not New Orleans? I mean, we're this is a food city. This food culture is, is here for this, and we have a ton of food trucks here. But just researching in all these different food parks around the country, what I that's actually how I got the city to even sit down and talk to me about this because the first time we went, they were like, no, nah, I don't think you can do this. So I, it took me to go back and do some research and find out what other cities were doing with these food truck parks and what regulations were in place to help them satisfy the city's desires to make sure that the food trucks are operating properly. So I just built off that modern, I mean, they're all different. They're not, there's not a, a food truck park that's the same. It's really what I found out. Some are beer gardens, some are full bars, some are permanent there, some rotate out. It's, it's kind of, it's an open venue type situation. So I just gathered all that information from talking to these people that run these parks and kind of put together a, a blueprint of how it could work in, in the city and went back to the city and got some acceptance with that and kind of started moving forward. But this has been a two-year process. So where will this food truck park be located? We're located at 1681 Religious Street at the corner of Religious and St. James. We're in the Lower Garden District. And we chose that area so we can be close to the CBD, also close to some of the local communities in there. And there's several different venues opening up in that area. And it's kind of bringing, bringing a little more crowd there. But there's no great food options in that area. And that's what we hope to bring with the food truck rotations where we can bring several different type of food options for families, lunch goers, happy hour people, you know, whoever wants to come out and enjoy the menu. Yeah. You mentioned food truck rotations. That's what I want to talk about. Will you have the same food trucks all the time or will they be switched out often? Okay. So we have our resident food truck, which is Association Kitchen. That's permanently there. We have two great chefs that'll be in there doing breakfast uh, in the morning, starting at 5 a.m. They'll do breakfast up until two o'clock and then we'll um, transfer that into a rotating out bar food menu type situation. So they'll be doing different things coming out of that. That truck will be there permanently. What we hope to do is try to get whatever trucks are interested in coming and participate, try to get as many of them rotating in as possible. So we'll start off slow and we, we may have only one or two trucks. Just we don't want to bring in five or six food trucks and we don't have a crowd to accommodate that food truck. I mean, as much as this project is for the community, it's for the food trucks as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start off a slow rotation, but what we hope to gain in the future is maybe have some trucks that are, that'll be there weekly and some that will rotate out daily, but we want to keep the variety fresh. Yeah. You know, we don't want to keep the same thing every day. I mean, you can go to McDonald's for the same thing every day. Exactly. We want to do something different. I'd like to talk more about your permanent food truck. What makes that one so special? Well, First off, that's my wife's truck. So, okay, we got so it. You, so, you know, <laughs> it's automatically special. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. But that concept was a, um, her concept is kind of a 70s soul type vibe. So some of the menu items you find name uh, Aretha Franklin or oh. Al Green mm-hmm. or, uh, or some names of some old soul songs. But what's going to be special about this truck is there's a lot of workers in the area. There's the port workers. There's a lot of truck drivers that come through out to the port. There's a ton of industrial businesses in that area. So what we're going to bring is a fresh cooked order breakfast to these guys that's going to work in the morning. So we'll be open at 5 a.m. starting April 2nd for full breakfast. So all these workers can come on their way to work, get their breakfast, call it in if they want, stop and pick it up. We're trying to bring that convenience to the to the work inside of the community. Now, once the workers get get out the way and have their lunch and, and breakfast, we're also going to bring some different menu items to the uh, bar food side and, mm-hmm. and street food side. And that menu is going to rotate. So it's not this is not going to be your classic restaurant where you're going to go and you're going to know what's there. There may be certain items that stay there, but that menu is going to rotate. It's going to be different. It's going to be fresh. And it's going to be a lot of good, good New Orleans style street food. 
Deja Vu Food Park has been a long journey for you, as you mentioned. You started with this idea in 2016, so Saturday is a big day. Yes. What can you tell us about the big grand opening happening this weekend? Well, first off, we're here. <laughs> That's the biggest part of it. But no, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot going on. We've got Johnny's Jamaican Grill is gonna be out doing Caribbean food. We've got crepes a la carte. It's gonna be out. We'll be out boiling crawfish. Association Kitchen will be open with various street food items. We've got a couple of live bands gonna be playing. Uh, ambush reggae band will be playing we're going to kick the music off around seven o'clock and then we've got the breed brass band coming out to play and we'll probably close it off with a little second line we have a nice craft beer selection so we we're supporting the local breweries and we've got a lot of local brewery craft beer selections like urban south and port orleans and some out in hammond and in baton rouge area tin roof i believe so we do have a, a great draft in can craft beer selection we're going to have great drink specials we got drinks for the kids there'll be a lot of fun and games out there we got we got a couple of different games my partner set up just gonna have a great time that's it that was ross Bodie, founder of deja vu food park thanks for joining me thank you the grand opening is saturday march 31st at 1681 religious street with doors opening at 10 a.m And that's it for this week's edition of All Things New Orleans. I'm Janae Pierre. Thanks for joining us.